This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. You know, I don't understand this podcasting thing. How come you boys can't have those keg parties like all the other nice boys do? Y'all are nerds. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Hey there, dudes and dudettes. It's the anniversary of Woodstock, so I've convinced Joe's mom to put on a huge show in the backyard featuring my amazing magic tricks. More on that later, but we're pulling a big rabbit out of the hat today, sawing this podcast in two right around the halfway mark with the amazing hosts of the Being Boss podcast and authors of the book by the same name, Kathleen Shannon and Emily Thompson. But that's not all. In our headline segment, Brad and Angelie are in the news. Too bad they're having trouble getting their 15 minutes of fame, huh? Plus, we'll discuss why one publication says you might want to lease a car for your teenager. We'll also answer a listener letter from Bill, who has a great idea for the show, and still share some incredible Woodstock-themed trivia. And now, two guys who are the Snoopy and Woodstock of this here podcast... Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. I thought we're the Jimi Hendrix and the Crosby, Stills, and Nash of this podcast. Doesn't that... Uh... Play that. I can play that on my air guitar. Yeah, exactly. Hey everybody, welcome to Wednesday on the Stacky Benjamin Show. I am Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter, just so you know who is who. And across this card table from me for another day, it's the Woodstock to my Snoopy, Mr. OG. I don't think that's fair. I want to be the uh, 
World War One plane Snoopy, where he's like flying around on his house, right? You are plumper, so maybe that's it. I'm plumper. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you know what is swole is the word you're looking for. Do you know what is plumper? OG, your wallet is plumper. After you head to magnifymoney.com using our link at stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. When you hit up Magnify Money, what you'll find is that they're the place to compare, ditch, switch, and save when it comes to all of those financial tools you use every day. You will shop for jeans forever, or you'll drive a mile further for cheaper gas. Why wouldn't you use the financial products that are best in class? And you can do it all from the comfort of your computer. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money. Doesn't have to be your computer, OG. It could be any device. It could be your phone. It could be your iPad. Could be that crazy Chromebook that you've got. Whatever. Chromebooks aren't even really computers. <laughs> Pseudo. Thanks. Thank you. Google, send your hate mail to og at stackybenjamins.com. We're also presented by Slack. Slack is the collaboration hub that allows teams like Stacking Benjamins to get more stuff done and make sure the right people in your team are always in the loop and key information is always at your fingertips. Learn more at slack.com. I was on Slack, as you saw, as you were walking down the stairs to the basement, OG, after talking to mom. Dishing out assignments. I was already there on Slack. But now I'm here with you, and we got a great show today because, as Doug mentioned earlier, how great is it when the host of the Being Boss podcast dropped by? They got a new book out called, wait for it, Being Boss. We're going to talk to them about how to be your own boss, whether you work for the man, work for somebody else, take control of your career, more money that way. But first, we got headlines and uh, some people you know in the headlines today, OG. Cool. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. We'll get to the superstars in a second, but <laughs> I wanted to get your take on this. This comes to us from Consumer Reports. Why you may want to lease a car for your teenager. What's the first Ooh. thing you think when you hear that? No. <laughs> exactly. That was exactly why I wanted this to be a headline. Because <laughs> my well, and, and let me be clear, I don't think it in terms of leasing versus buying. I would never in a trillion years get my kid a brand new car. I'm gonna find the one that just has the if the wheels are square, I'm good with that. Let's talk about why. The piece says if your teen needs a car in high school or at college, maybe thinking about Doesn't leasing. Need. Yeah, need is a strong Enjoy. word. You may okay. be thinking about leasing a car instead of purchasing one with monthly payments no of about. That. What's that? I said no one would think that, but go ahead. With monthly payments of about 100 bucks, a low payment lease deal could be the perfect solution. There are a number of benefits to leasing a car. With a lease, your teen can get a new car with the latest safety features. Okay. A full warranty. Things go wrong. Okay. And affordable monthly payments. Not so much. <laughs> you lost me at monthly payments. Leases are typically for two to three years, often the same amount of time a college student may have parking access at school. While mileage restrictions on many leases can be a concern for commuters, students often stay local, so it's less of a problem. And this time of year, many dealers have attractive offers. A local Kia dealer recently was offering a three-year lease on his 2018 Fort LX. Is it Fort or Forte? It's Fortnite. Fortnite LX for $59 a month. The deal required an upfront payment of about 2800 bucks, about the amount, <laughs> by the way, that I would spend <laughs> total on a car. 
It says, How so, much is your payment, sir? Uh, well, we can get your payment down to 59 bucks. Uh, we're just going to need you to write a big fat check. Uh, it's all the same money, people. All that's, right, go ahead. That's where they get you. So you could get a brand new car for less than $5,000 for three years of use. A Toyota dealer offering a three-year lease on a 2018 Corolla IM for just 119 a month, plus an average upfront payment of 2000 bucks. The total will come to just over 6000 of course, plus fees and taxes. Instead of leasing, you could buy your car. And tip and gratuity. <laughs> Instead of leasing, do you, do you always tip your car dealer? Instead, I do. She's awesome. I, I, I tip my car dealer. I say, don't drink your bathwater. That's <laughs> best tip ever. Instead of leasing, you could buy a used car, but you would probably have to pay more upfront, anywhere from five thousand to ten thousand bucks, before factoring in insurance and maintenance. Says Mel Yu, Consumers Reports Automotive Analyst. We actually, the last uh, car that that we uh, purchased for a kid, it was four thousand dollars, and we matched my son's payment, so he bought half, and we matched it. I think a lot of the stuff that they talk about here is scare tactics, isn't it? Well, but you need to have pedestrian infrared spotting features. If you don't have that, you might hit a person on the road. You don't want that, do you? You know what the best idea I heard recently was? Mrs. OG brought this up to me the other day. Teach your kid how to drive a stick shift, only buy him a stick shift car, because they they can't text and drive. After the incident... And by the incident, talk the about mailbox incident. Yeah, when my son said there's something wrong with the car, and I went outside and he had mounted it on my neighbor's mailbox post. <laughs> so there was clearly something wrong with the car. Was that like episode six? I think you can find that entire story. Right. That that, long, that was a long time ago. That story goes way way back. But after the incident, we did that. We replaced that car with a car that had a stick. And it was specifically so they'd have to have both hands busy. Mm -hmm. Brilliant idea. Love that idea. This is a Consumer Reports article, OG, so it is even-handed. It does say that there's additional cost if you lease. Leases can be a costly choice for young people, especially if they don't take care of the car and have dings from minor fender benders and stains in the upholstery. And that's because leases hold the lessee responsible for any damage other than normal wear and tear to the vehicle. My kids would have never done well with the lease from that perspective. Well, could you imagine the car insurance bill? Yeah. Most, a brand new car that's a lease? Most leases come with a limit of 12,000 miles a year if your teen drives more than the lease allows, like back and forth to a distant school and comes home every weekend. Might be a problem. If your child needs to terminate the lease early, you may have to pay for the remaining payments and pay an early termination fee, among other penalties. And then when the lease is over, your adult child won't have a car. They lease another new car. That was a cool thing. Nick, my son took his car. My daughter took her car to their jobs with them. And when they're ready for a new car, they can sell the one they have to work toward the next car. So they, yeah. they leave with an asset. I don't like the idea. I think it's kind of clickbaity. Um, I'm kind of yeah. thumbs, thumbs was down it, on was this it, one. Was it written by a Kia dealership and a Toyota dealership right. that uh, have a whole bunch of $100 lease cars? I mean, the price seems okay. If you look at it from a dollars and cents standpoint, like in the shortest amount of time possible, like, oh, well, $100 a month, I can do that. But then it's all those little asterisks. It's the, but yeah, that's with 2800 bucks down. And yeah, then you have to really take care of it. And I don't know anybody from the ages of 16 to 22 that have not, not hit a car. You know what I mean? You hit posts and cars and 
people and all sorts of things. So now you got a dented car that you got to turn back in. The car insurance is going to be astronomical. All these things add up. Big double thumbs down from OG and the gang. That's the new name of the show, by the way. OG and the gang? Yeah. OG and the breakfast bunch? (laughs) Uh, Here's another thumbs down. More news about uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. How about that? (sighs) That's just thumbs down just talking about the beginning part of this, but okay. Brad, Jolina, what's happening? Uh, USA Today, Andrea Mandel, uh, Angelina Jolie says Pitt has not paid half of the child's expenses and gave her an $8 million loan that came with interest. Angelina Jolie says the $8 million loan her ex Brad Pitt gave her for a home came with interest and is stating publicly through representative that she has been forced to shoulder alone the majority of their six children's expenses for the past two years. The striking statement comes hours after Pitt filed documents in court countering Jolie's claim that he had not paid any meaningful child support. He had just said a few days ago that, hey, I gave you $8 million. And she goes, no, 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 no. It was $8 million loan. And the amount of money he's paid, he says that he's paid over $1.3 million in bills for her and their, their six kids. I know sometimes it feels like, oh, gee, with your three, that it's uh, $1.3 million times two, right? Because that's half of what it costs to support. Mm-hmm. So $2.6 million to support your three kids. But your expenses might be a little less than that. Yeah, I don't know how they're making it on only an $8 million loan and a million five of child expenses for the last couple of years. I mean, kids are expensive. That's This is this is reality. They're probably starving. What, with only $9.5 million to spend between the six children over the last couple of years? Don't know how they're making it work. Jolie's lawyer says, quote, Angelina's filing of yesterday was both legally appropriate and factually accurate in all respects. DeGene said in a statement to USA Today, DeGene's lawyer, late Wednesday last week, what has been filed by Brad's side today is a blatant attempt to obfuscate the truth and distract from the fact that he has not fully met his legal obligations to support the children. Regarding the $8 million loan Pitt gave her for housing, did you, $8 million for housing, I like the term housing in here as if it's uh, like a federally subsidized housing. A little different in housing and $8 million housing. Glitched out. It was necessary as, quote, Brad chose to keep their original family home. Following the incident of 2016, Angelina and the children needed to move from the family home, which Brad chose to keep, including all of its contents. DeGene said Brad was asked to assist in the expense of a new home for Angelina and the children, but instead he loaned Angelina money for which he's charging her interest on a payment plan. Angelina will, of course, honor that loan. A loan is not, however, child support and to represent it as such is misleading and accurate. I wonder what the interest rate is on that 8 million bucks. You know who's winning here? The children. Well, no. The attorneys are, though. Every t- <laughs> this, this stuff, every time they, they go on and on, it's another high five. I just kind of wonder how many people actually give a crap about this from the perspective of like those numbers are so far out of the realm of reality for 99.997% of the entire world population that I roll my eyes, you roll your eyes, everybody else that reads this article rolls their eyes. Like, there's very few people that go, well, you know, $8 million doesn't buy a really nice house. You know, there's some people that actually see that, but most of us go, come on, really? 
Yeah, you, I just you having trouble feeding your family on a million and a half dollars over the last two years. I would love to see what those expenses are, and I get that somebody in Angelina Jolie's work who's traveling quite a bit has commitments to keep the lights on. Obviously, with her career, she has some extraordinary expenses. Is it still two point six million dollars? Now, isn't she also not in that house right now because she has her children in London with her so she can film a movie and so they're leasing a new home? So now two house, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah. All it's, I know it, is it would be interesting to dig into the balance sheet and say how yeah, much, yeah. $2.6 million. Yeah, do you really need 7,000 bottles of wine? I mean, is that is that something that's totally necessary? Do you need a cannon at the top of your home? That's, Looking at you. You're talking about Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the point is there. I just, it, it looks like lawyers are making a bunch of money and uh, I want to be one of Angelina's kids. <laughs> if it's if it's $2.6 million, take care of him. So I guess if there's any lesson here, it's... Tried to be a Bradgelina child. <laughs> yeah. Or... Send in your applications. You may need to tighten the budget. And then... Lesson number two, and maybe a better one, leasing a car from your teenager? Probably not. Don't do that. Well, I listen to their show when I go out on my morning run, but now they're here in the basement. They have a new book out, which is titled, shockingly, the same thing that their hip podcast is titled. The Being Boss Show is a show all about taking control of your life and whether you're a side hustler, entrepreneur, freelancer, you work for the man. Uh, They've done some exciting interviews, OG, with people like Brene Brown, Marie Forleo, Ramit Sethi, uh, Danielle Laporte. But now they're coming to do an interview with us Let's say hello and get some great life tips about being the boss of your life from Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon. And walking down the stairs to the basement right now, it's team being boss. Emily and Kathleen are here. How are you ladies? Hello. Hello. How's it going? Well, it's better now that you guys brought your book tour to Texarkana. How come it took you so long? It's you just, know, we went the long way around. <laughs> I, I was just telling Emily, it's funny that we're in Texarkana. I grew up in, well, I was born in Texas and grew up in Oklahoma. So I'm kind of in your neck of the woods. I know you're not that in the big scheme of things. You're not that <laughs> far from me. Let's talk about your businesses because both of you bootstrapped your businesses. Emily, you want to talk about how you started your business? Absolutely. So I started Indie Shopography, my first sort of, I guess, online business. Actually, I guess my second online business, but we will not go there. First online business. I started it about 10 years ago. And for me, it was a way for me to practice some skills that I had, which was making websites for people that I like to hang out with, creative entrepreneurs so that I could stay at home with my kid 
and still provide for my family. So I made myself a simple website. I got in touch with some creative entrepreneur friends of mine who were t-shirt makers or jewelry designers and those sorts of things back in the day when Etsy was still a cool place to hang out. Not that if you hang out there, you're not cool, but I'm just saying. And I started it from nothing. I grew it into a small agency. I've since sort of taken it apart so that I can go into some other directions. But I bootstrapped it because the internet is a really great place to do things like that, to start businesses with as little money as you possibly can. I want to dig into that in just a second. But Kathleen, to bring you into the conversation, you bootstrapped your business as well. Yeah, sure. I got my career legs under me growing up in advertising as a senior art director. And then I quit to start working for myself. I started a branding agency with my sister. We continue to double our revenue and our team and our clients every year. So we've just continued to grow. And I think that part of it is that growing up in a place like Oklahoma you don't know much more than bootstrapping. It's not like we grew up around angel investors and we weren't getting any of that sweet, sweet oil money. Like we just don't come from that kind of family. So we really had no other option than to just start from the ground up. And I truly think that starting small in that way, not having debt and not having anyone calling the shots other than you is a really fantastic way to grow and learn. I feel like Emily and I both basically have our master's in business just from figuring it out as we go. That was actually my next question. You love the idea of bootstrapping a business because you can... I guess, to your point, make a bunch of mistakes and it doesn't hurt you as bad. Right. It doesn't hurt you or other people. It's just you sort of taking the heat as it comes and you have so much more room to wiggle through the problems to find the right solutions. Did either And look, we're like type A creatives here and type A business women here. And we do not want to hand over our control or power to anyone else who's going to try and tell us what to do. And so I find that happening so often in businesses that gain investors that they start losing the creative direction and control and the vision of the business that they were creating in the first place. Was there ever a time though that either of you borrowed money for your business to get ahead quicker? I have never borrowed money to do anything in business. No. I borrowed money once from my parents. I think it was so my other business that I run is I invest in real estate and I had just purchased a rental home, used all of my cash, like an investment property. And then I found a house that I personally wanted to live in. So I borrowed like $15,000 from my parents for a down payment and I paid it back within like three months. Isn't that the way it always happens though? You just yeah. deploy your cash one place and then you find this ultimate thing that you did. You just yeah. absolutely love a lot of people think maybe listening to the show, well, I don't know about becoming an entrepreneur, even as a side gig. Kathleen, you never saw yourself as an entrepreneur, you say in your book. No, I still don't see myself as an entrepreneur. The other day I was thinking, oh, maybe I should go get a day job. This is just too scary and hard. And I was like, oh, wait, I could just, and speaking of being boss specifically, because we're doing lots of scary things, like we're publishing podcasts every week and writing books and showing up in really major ways that makes us more visible than ever. And so sometimes with that visibility, you kind of want to crawl into a cave from time to time. So yeah. I was like, I'm just going to go get a day job. And then I thought, oh, wait, I can go to the day job I've created for myself, which is this branding agency. But yeah, I, I've never really saw myself as an entrepreneur and I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. So a big part of establishing who I am in my business was kind of sharing the story of 
beginning to work for myself for the first time ever. And partnering with someone like Emily, who basically came out of the womb, an entrepreneur and the boss of all things has been such an incredible learning experience. I love having friends like Emily. No, seriously, Emily, what's this deal about you at a tanning salon in high school? It was college, but that's not very far removed from high school. Yes, I did. I've I've always been very entrepreneurial and I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. I don't know where it came from. I was just like a weird lottery winner here. Maybe I say that, but also have days where I'm like, maybe I should just go get a day job too. Wouldn't that be so much easier? But yes, I've always been a go-getter, passion-driven, and I just want to be everybody's boss. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because obviously I think the term be boss means more to the two of you, I think, than it does when people first hear it. When you say, tell somebody to be boss, what does that mean? It means really just owning who you are personally and professionally, knowing what you want. So having big ass goals and not being afraid of them and not being ashamed of them and not feeling guilty about your own ambition. So it's owning who you are, knowing what you want and taking the steps and doing the work in order to get there. Emily? That's about it. That is about it. I mean, if for us, it's it's not about being the boss necessarily. We do talk a lot to creative entrepreneurs, the people who want to be the boss of themselves and how it is that they make money and also of other people. But we do also see this idea of being boss as being applicable to absolutely anyone, whether or not you are the boss, because it is just those main things of, you know, who you are, you know, what you want, and you're willing to do the work to make it happen. As I was reading through your book and defining this, which is such a being boss is such a powerful concept the way that you present it, it reminds me of this management guru, Tom Peters, who talks about don't wait for, even if you're a waiter at a restaurant, don't wait for somebody else to train you. Like who wants to go to their job and say, Hey, I'm going to suck today. Like nobody wants that. I'm so excited that you're talking about this because I think that even people who are still working for someone else, let go of a lot of their power and us as bosses who run our businesses I mean, it is a dream to have someone come on board and say, hey, let me help you with this thing. Or, hey, I noticed a gap in your processes here. Maybe we should set up this software to streamline some things. You can be such an asset and you can have so much control. And I, you probably know this term, Joe, of managing up and leading upward. And you simply do that by making everyone else around you who you're working with make their job easier in whatever way you can. And that is something that Emily and I still do to this day with each other, we're always pulling in and saying, Hey, how can I help you? So it's not just about bossing other people around. It's about really being a leader and owning your role, owning your job, and then really just going above and beyond to make it what it is that you want it to be. So an example of this that we get a lot is people are like, well, I would love to have a podcast, but I work a day job. I don't have the time. Well, Hey, have you ever thought about pitching your boss as to starting a podcast within your organization or within your small business, they would probably love that and pay for you to do that on their dime. I see that. It seems like I go to podcasting conferences and you see that people are like, Hey, my boss sent me here because I said, let's do a podcast. And they said, great, you get to be the host. <laughs> Fantastic. And now they're learning everything to your point, Kathleen, on somebody else's money. But my question is this, while we're on this topic, what's the difference between managing up and being an insubordinate a-hole? <laughs> 
right? What is the difference? I think it's respect for yourself and everyone within your organization and taking on the responsibility of being boss of your own role. So whether this is you as the boss of someone else, or if you have a boss, you're your own boss too. And people forget that they count on someone else to tell them what to do or how to act or behave, whatever it may be. And we literally are giving away one of the most basic powers we have. And that's our ability to be boss of ourselves. I think if you can do that and sort of line that up with some, with some good person values, you're not going to be an insubordinate. And I think it's really important to remember that whenever it comes to being boss, it's not about bossing everybody around, whether you are working for someone else or you own your own company. It's really about understanding your intentions and your mission. And if you're going into that with a lot of clarity and a lot of action steps and a lot of thought behind it, you're not going to come across as someone who's just trying to make waves. You're going to come across as someone who's trying to make change. Yeah. Help the team. Speaking of important concepts, You have so many important concepts in your book. I want to focus on just one area because obviously we won't have time to go through it all. But I want to talk about this foundation of being boss because you have some foundation terms in the book. And I want to walk through these if, if you don't mind. Let's start with mindset. You say you can't be boss if you aren't in the right frame of mind. What is the right frame of mind? Emily? I think a part of it is believing that you've got this, that you have the ability to do whatever it is that you want to do. Without that mindset, all the other things will not fall into place for you. But how do you get that? How do you get there? Because I just meet some people who just are so far away from being there. Well, they might not be boss. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you if you want to be boss and you really need to work on your mindset, it really is about cultivating confidence. And you can do that in a lot of ways from developing a morning routine, you know, setting in place the habits and routines, which I'm sure we'll talk about next, that help you kind of behave as if you are someone that's confident to actually you know, doing some things and doing some thought work that will help you visualize what you want and find evidence for what you've accomplished. Let's do that next. I'm going to skip the next one. We'll come back to it. But while you're on it, Kathleen, habits and routines, give me an idea of a habit or routine that you have that makes you an effective boss. Okay. So I actually just moved across the country from Oklahoma city to Detroit and people kept asking me, how is that going? That's a huge move. You've moved away from all of your family. That's really intense. I have a four-year-old. My husband started a new job, just a lot of stressful life changes all at once. And people asked me how I was handling it. And I truly felt like it was pretty smooth. And it's because I relied on these habits and routines that I've put in place so I can be grounded, so that I can be on point and so that I can do the work. And so for me, that especially looks like a morning routine. So in the morning I wake up, I get my kid ready, send him off to school. I'm having my cup of coffee. I'm doing some journaling. I might be doing some meditations or candle concentration exercises. Then I'm hitting the gym And then by 10 a.m., I am working. And I know for some people, they might be like, oh my gosh, Kathleen, that's great for you, but I've got some work to do. I will say that these habits and routines have made me incredibly efficient and incredibly clear whenever I am sitting down to my work. I'm hammering out at least eight hours of work within five hours of time. Awesome. Emily, how about you? 
I think one of my favorite and most like efficient making habits is usually on Sunday morning or the first thing I do on Monday, or excuse me, Sunday evening, or the first thing I do on Monday morning is I'll sit down and make an action plan for the week. I get really clear as to all the things I'm responsible for, for the week ahead. So that I can really hit the ground running whenever I show up in the office on Monday morning. It also allows me to sort of decompress after a weekend of probably having like all the to do swimming around in my head. I can enjoy those last couple of hours of the weekend because I've laid it all out. I know what I'm responsible for. I can chill, go to sleep, wake up the next morning and make it do. Which I think brings up the one that we skip, which is boundaries, like setting boundaries between this is when I'm an entrepreneur and this is my, this is my quiet time. I have a real problem with that. I don't know if you guys have a problem with that. Meaning I don't think the concept's a problem I have trouble keeping my boundaries. Yeah, I think that boundaries are huge. And there are certainly physical boundaries that take place into when you're doing the work. We practice something called time blocking, where we are literally putting it into our calendar, what we're doing and when. So back to working out in the morning, that's my first meeting in the morning. It's for myself. And I treat it as importantly as any other meeting that I might have with a client or with an interview or with anything else. But even beyond just those physical or time boundaries that we put in place, we're also really cognizant of using our values and intentions as boundaries for saying yes and saying no to certain opportunities or potential distractions. Emily, boundaries for you. How do you turn it off? Oh, that's so difficult. For me, it's finding the place where I'm able to turn it off. So if I'm like sitting at my kitchen counter, that's a place where it's easy for me to grab my laptop and open it up and answer some more emails. But if I'm sitting on my front porch, for example, that is a place where my mind is so turned off. I can watch what's going on in the neighborhood. I can watch the squirrels play or look at flowers or whatever it may be. So you'll physically move. You will physically get up and move and that does Oh, that's, that's cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I know if I ever need to just turn it off, I can go out to the porch and be kind of a whole different person. That's a, g- a great idea. Your wolf pack is next. And you talk about how the two of you got together and formed the podcast and do work together. But you guys kind of started off as a wolf pack yourselves. Yeah, for us, our community is everything. And this can be our very tight-knit community of our very real-life friends and family, the people that we go to when we're having a bad day or a really great day to celebrate it. Or it could be our larger community, and these could be people who are coming on our vacation or commenting on you know, the show notes on our website or whatever it may be. These people are the people who support us. And so it's very important to us to nurture those relationships, either those best friends that we have in real life or the people who show up and listen to the podcast. Nurturing those relationships is what has us here and in our in our like best state. So nurturing them is an important thing to do. And 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 I want to add in here that we are allergic to networking, like that capital in networking, going to those events where you get a drink ticket and exchange business cards and say what you do. It makes me want to barf. Okay. Like I cannot (laughs) even, but whenever it comes to meeting the people who listen to our show that we want to support in real life, it's really thinking of it as friendships and really digging in and finding that blend of work and life and connecting on a really real level. It's so funny. Somebody told me a few weeks ago, they said, you ever notice that the best quote networkers never go to networking meetings? 
Like the best networkers you know, they never go to that crap. It's always a bunch of people. While you're telling them what you're doing, they're nodding their head, waiting to tell you what they do and barf all over Ugh. you, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> gross, right? Kathleen terminology there. Uh, <laughs> there's another term that you use throughout the book that I'd like to kind of close with, which is do the work. You say over and over throughout the book, do the work, do the work, do the work. And I kind of know what do the work is, but I feel once again, just like this idea of being boss, you mean something a little bigger than I say colloquially. It's funny. I said something really early on that sort of hits home every time I say it again, <laughs> but doing the work is everything that comes between the wanting and the having. So if you want something and you want to have that something, there's something that happens in the middle and it can be anything. And we talk often about, you know, how doing the work isn't networking or it isn't necessarily networking. Sometimes it's as easy as like opening or starting a on your Photoshop, or it is sending that email, or it is practicing your craft. So maybe it's putting pen to paper or bringing out your paintbrushes or your calculator or whatever it may be. It is you practicing your craft. It is you doing even these, the little bitty things that take you from point A, wanting something to point X, Y, Z, which is having the thing. And that can look like anything it needs to. And so if you're on Instagram following along with creative entrepreneurs or even, you know, your listeners, Joe, they're listening to these money podcasts and it just seems glamorous and amazing and high powered and influential. What we want to show you is that doing the work looks like a lot of resting bitch face behind a computer. Like there is just a lot of project management, um, responding to emails literally taking the time to write a book. You know, everyone thinks that it's so glamorous to be an author, but you should have seen us for those three months where for two hours a day, we're just hammering out that book. And it's not, it's not precious and it's not glamorous. It's kind of, you know, getting your hands in the dirt and just doing it. But doing this podcast in mom's basement, clearly glamorous. This is a fabulous basement. I'm only slightly scared, but I can see that the door is unlocked and opened up the stairs. So the book is being boss. Take control of your work and live life on your own terms. Where can we get it? You can get it anywhere books are sold, but for easy access, feel free to go to beingboss.club slash book. Awesome. And you also have a lot going on there, by the way, besides just the book, which I love. I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you about the awesome podcast and the great work that you do on the podcast for the two people listening that don't know about the being boss podcast, tell us about it. Cause you guys go on runs with me and I find myself laughing at Kathleenisms halfway through my run all the time. Ah, <laughs> uh, Joe, thanks for letting us hang with you while you're on your run. We love keeping people company on their runs, in their cars, on their commutes, while they're working or cooking. So the podcast is exactly what we were talking about today. It's where we're going over the mindset, habits, routines, boundaries, but also systems and processes. We're talking a little bit about money. We're going over all of it. And really what it is, is Emily and I hitting publish on our business bestie conversations because we have found so many aspiring entrepreneurs and freelancers and small business owners feeling really lonely in their ambition. And no one's talking about what it takes to do the work. We're also interviewing rock stars like Brene Brown, Marie Forleo, Ramit Sethi, lots of incredible people. And you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome deal. Wherever they're listening to this one. Kathleen Shannon, Emily Thompson, thanks for coming down to the basement and hanging out with us for a little bit. 
Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Joe. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we have a huge problem. For our huge show to celebrate the anniversary of Woodstock, I cleaned up the backyard, but Joe's mom owns exactly three folding chairs. Three! That ain't gonna cut it. I tried to borrow some from Gertrude, my friend down at the Sizzler, and she's afraid after the shrimp cocktail incident that I'll wreck her seats. I'm still blaming that one on the waiter, Gertrude. Not my fault. But I'll figure that out later. For now, let's tackle your trivia question, which is this. How many days long was the original Woodstock Festival? I'll have the answer and hopefully a few more chairs for our huge show in just a moment. Big thanks to Slack for their continuing support of Stacking Benjamins. Slack, if you don't know what it is, it's a collaboration hub for work. Whatever you do, whether you work for the man, you're an entrepreneur, you make podcasts in your mom's basement, whatever work it is, Slack helps the right people in your team be kept in the loop and the information they need it's always at their fingertips teamwork on slack happens in channels and lets you organize conversations and information around projects offices and teams and because everything you need to work is in one place it's faster and easier to get things done with slack your team's better connected find out more at slack.com you know what's interesting about slack is that when we started using slack i was on one team and we diversified out the channels depending on which people on the team needed to be in a channel. We diversified that out. Well, now I have three different teams and it's so easy to add different work groups as you join different projects. But you got to watch yourself. You don't want to get don't want to get overworked and on too many teams because they make it so easy for you to drag and drop file sharing that works with all the apps you already use like Jira, Salesforce, Zendesk and Google Drive. You can tailor Slack to your work with more than a thousand apps, and they have mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly. So no matter where I'm at, I can always pick up where I left off, no matter where I am. If Steve needs me to listen to a file, or maybe Doug is wondering about uh, pronunciation, uh, Doug and pronunciation, those two don't mix. So I help him using Slack. It connects all the tools and services you need in one place. That's Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. We're also, of course, excited that Magnify Money is our longest time sponsor of the show. And I remember asking Nick if they would sponsor Stacking Benjamins and being super excited when he said yes. And it's funny because then Magnify Money didn't do nearly all the cool things that they do now. And if you haven't been yet, here's what you do. You head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money that tells them that we set you as mom says and there you're going to see everything when it comes to comparing and saving like balance transfer credit cards to lower your interest rate or better yet zero percent credit cards or if you just can't trust yourself with credit cards well you know what you can shop personal loans so you cut up the cards and then only make one lower rate payment. When it comes to bank accounts, there's checking accounts, savings accounts, link checking and savings, CD rates, and with your student loan, student loan refinance, parent plus loan refinance, and auto loans on top of that, and much more. 
I also like the guides and calculators on the calculator section. We never talk about this. There's money personality quiz, difference between balance transfers and personal loans like we were just starting to get into a second ago, student loan refinance calculators, credit card payoff calculators, using the snowball method or the avalanche method calculator, personal loan calculators, how much house can I afford? And then guides, guides to eliminating debt, how to complain when something's wrong on your credit, your credit score guide, and of course, your credit monitoring and ID theft guide and their award-winning blog. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money gets you all that and the average person saves 450 bucks when they go. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And while I have no solution yet to the chair problem, I can announce that I'm going to do my famous fire swallowing trick using only a little lighter fluid, some guacamole, and a medium-sized stick. You're going to love it. More on that in a moment. But first, here's the answer to today's trivia question. How many days long was the original Woodstock Festival? While early estimates showed that anywhere between 50,000 and 200,000 were going to show up this day in 1969, over 400,000 ultimately showed up at the event. Didn't have a ticket? No problem. The masses of people found gaps in the fence and came in anyway, which ultimately led the organizers making the event free. Don't worry, though. They still sold around 186,000 advance tickets, so the organizers made out okay. But you ask, how long was it? The original festival covered three very muddy and music-filled days. Hmm, maybe we need to expand our festival to be longer. I'm going to need more magic tricks. Maybe Gertrude will let me saw her in half. I got to go ask her. See ya! So the lesson there, don't pay ahead of time. Just yeah. show up and mob the ticket counter. We're going to do that at the next uh, Rangers game we go to. I'm going to do that at Cinemark. <laughs> yes. Just walk When your movie there. pass doesn't work. You're going to be like, it says I'm good. Yep. See, I, pass. I got my card. Just act all confident. Hey, we get letters down here in the basement, OG. And today actually is uh, from Bill. Bill says, you know how people look at being in the top 5% or 2% of wealthy Americans? He writes, you know, with the okay. comma yeah. American. Since your show is all about financial literacy, is that what it's about, Bill? <laughs> so, <laughs> totally it so far. I'm so glad uh, that Bill was able to define it. Have you considered having a show be focused on being in the top 5% or 2% of Americans with respect to financial literacy? You could probably fashion a quiz for listeners who could score themselves. Don't forget a question about Dave Ramsey's 12% annual assumption. That's funny. Uh, thanks for the suggestion. You know, it's funny, OG. You and I have been talking some about that, about exploring those areas. The bad news is with the tour coming up right now, we're kind of juggling a lot on our plate. But Bill, to your point, that's uh, something we're seriously... There's something in the wings with this uh, scorecard of some kind. Stay tuned. Best way to find out about all that stuff is to subscribe to The Stacker because we can go more into depth about what's going on in the basement, what tools we like what we got out of some of these interviews, stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker is the place to go to get the newsletter. And as things change quickly about our tour, if you're in one of those three cities or nearby, you'll also get updates on that. Thanks for the letter. By the way, if you've got a letter for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com and across the top of the page, you'll see 
questions for the show, click that link and you'll find all the ways to interface with us and ask questions. We love getting questions or to Bill's point, we love getting comments about the show. That's going to do it for today. If you're somebody looking for more financial help, OG's taking clients, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G, and that'll get you on the path to managing your money better. We'll see you guys back here next time. Go stack some Benjamins. Bye-bye. So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Kathleen and Emily from Being Boss and do the work. You know what you need to do. Put in the time and results will come. Second, thinking about leasing a car for your teenager? Your mileage may vary, but we think it's probably not a great idea, no matter what Consumer Reports writes. But the big lesson? You probably shouldn't ask Joe's mom about our big three-day magic festival in the backyard. She used her own brand of magic to make the whole idea disappear. Poof! Special thanks to Emily Thompson and Kathleen Shannon for stopping by. You'll find their book, Being Boss, wherever books are sold, and you'll find their podcast right here where you're listening to my voice. Their website is beingboss.club. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I swear the worst part about coming over to Joe's mom's house is having to put on pants. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Thanks to my friend Gertrude for stepping in and helping me cool off Joe's mom, who wasn't as thrilled about our three-day festival as I'd hoped. I think the next round of root beer at the Sizzler is going to have to be on me. And speaking of Gertrude, she's agreed to be our new social media manager in the basement. Yeah, she better not be getting paid more than me, Joe. Say hi next time you're visiting. I wanted to tell you the story of my first car accident. Okay. Let's hear it. So it is the second time I drove a car with only me in the car. And I remember being so excited because I got this freedom. I didn't realize, by the way, I was going to become Go Fetch It Boy like my kids became for me. <laughs> we're, oh, yeah. we're in the middle of making dinner and we realize we don't have an ingredient and 
I got to play any mini money mo with which twin was going to go get stuff. And they caught onto that much quicker than I did, by the way. First, I'm like, oh, cool. I'll go to the store. This is going to be great. And then it only took me about three months. It, in my memory, it took my kids about four days before they, <laughs> they <laughs> now caught I'm good, Dad. Yeah. We don't need Parmesan cheese for our spaghetti <laughs> yeah. meatballs. Pass. Don't need meat in our meatballs. Uh, so I am driving into the huge town of Vicksburg, Michigan from out in the country where we lived. And I get to a stop sign at a T, right? And I'm in the bottom of the T coming up on the road that's going horizontally, left, right. And so I look to the right, there's a Jeep coming, but he's low ways down there. I look to the left and there's nobody. And so I start to pull out. And as I'm pulling out, I casually look to the right again. And that Jeep's coming faster than I thought. So I hit the brake doing the smart thing because now I'm out in the middle of the intersection. I put the car in reverse and I back up. (laughs) Right into the car behind you. Right into the dude behind me. (laughs) Didn't even look. Just doing the right thing. And so across the street is the bank and Harding's parking lot. And I Harding's is a local grocery store. And I pull into the parking lot and I'm shaking, man. I am just shaking. And there is... An older man, probably in his 70s, and his son, who looks like he's probably in his 30s or 40s with him, and they get out of the car, and luckily for me, they're both laughing. Because when they saw me, and they saw how upset I was, and there was no damage to either car, they just said, hey, uh, might want to just look in your rearview mirror next time. Great. Fantastic. I was so shaken. How did your parents react when you got home? Not happy. No, not happy. Okay. Yeah. Any damage to the vehicle? No, no damage to either vehicle. Nothing. Uh, so maybe, so maybe tell? like a little, little paint scratch. Yeah. I should have just let it go. No, it was fine. It was good. When I was a kid, my grandparents owned a farm, lived on a farm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's always old vehicles out there. So I was driving when I was 10. If I could stand, I'd have to stand on the floorboard to reach the pedal and drive. You know, but we would get to drive around the farm, you know, out in the woods and everything. Who cares? And so my brother and I are driving back and we figure out that there's this route we can take where we can get it up to about 40 or 50 miles an hour, this pickup truck. And it's that that's living, dude. The 1974 Chevy pickup truck driving 40 miles an hour through the woods. And I get the bright idea. We're behind there. There's a kind of a hill. And as long as you're behind the hill, you couldn't see the house, which means the house couldn't see you. So I get the bright idea that let's see what happens when you grab the bottom of the steering wheel and turn it as fast as you can in one direction. What could go wrong? Yeah. What happens is a blur and then you're eating dirt with your brother on your lap. So we tip the truck over on its side. It's all a rusty, dirty pickup truck anyway. So we finally flip the thing back over. We come rolling back down the hill, park it. Both of us are looking at each other like, if you don't say anything, I won't say anything. Right. (laughs) Grandpa and my dad both look at us and say, are you guys done driving for the day? We're like, oh yeah, yep, yep, we're good. Don't want to do that anymore. Click, here are the keys. Have a nice day, right? So we figure we got away with it. It was probably about 20 years later. I'm sitting talking to my dad about grandma and grandpa, and he goes, yeah, remember that time you guys flipped the truck? And I went, huh? What was that? What do you mean flip the truck? I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he says, oh, you think grandpa and I didn't know what you were doing? <laughs> you know exactly what you're doing. My dad, the fruit farm that my dad grew up on was on the end of a lake. 
and he and my uncles used to go out on the lake with the cars. And I remember him always saying, man, if your grandpa had known what was going on, I would have got my butt kicked. Yep. They, uh, the only thing, glory days. The, the only idiotic thing I did like that was I had a dirt bike and uh, we'd ride around the trails out behind our house. And I got this idea after watching the Kentucky Derby that if, if I put my head down by the handlebars, like the, like the jockey, you know, on a, yeah, you go fast on the back of a horse and stick my ass in the air. Like it's just going to be cool. And initially I felt cool. I go around a corner and this limb had fallen across the thing. And I hit this with the front wheel. My face goes right into the handlebars. I took out my front two teeth, bleeding all over the place. Just a you fit in real nicely then here in Texarkana. I was wondering just an if unbelievable you, if, you your, if you had your yeah. top two teeth taken out when you moved to Texarkana or or what. But no, you uh you had that done in advance of your trip. So well, now the, you got the two front teeth miffing. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, my two front teeth. Luckily, I was young enough. I was young enough that the... Were they your baby teeth? Yeah. Luckily, I was young enough that it was baby teeth. But the new ones came in, and in college, my front right tooth was always gray. And my dentist said, well, that's because all the nerve damage and stuff was done. So my front teeth, people that meet me, my front two teeth are caps or what, what do they call them? Crowns? Veneers, as they call them. Fake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're fake Fake news. Yes. Right. Your teeth are fake news. My, you are fake news. On that note, uh, Cheryl had the opportunity to meet Steve Eiserman, the old Mm -hmm. captain of the Detroit Red Wings and president, I believe, of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But when she would meet him, because of the very casual situation that it was, he would never wear his teeth. (laughs) <laughs> and she said it was just weird. She'd say something and he'd smile and he's got these missing teeth. And it was just always kind of strange to see Stevie Y without his teeth. Mm-hmm. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.